Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. We are 63 days away from the 2023 NFL Draft. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 14. I'm CBS Sports Draft Analyst Ryan Wilson, and I'm joined not only by our general manager, Rick Spielman, who has more than 30 years of NFL experience, including a decade as the Vikings general manager, but we're also joined by CBS Sports Draft Analyst Josh Edwards. That can only mean one thing. That's right. It's time for another live mock draft show. We'll go through the entire first round, taking turns, making all 31 picks, and see how long it takes Rick to lose it on one of us. Also, thanks again for the mailback questions. Got a lot of good ones. And if you missed it, that was Monday's show, and it is in the podcast feed. And just a reminder, the podcast is now twice weekly, which means that you can join us every Monday and Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern. And next week, we'll be doing the show from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, as well as the Daily Show on CBS Sports HQ. So please check that out. As always, you can uh, watch us live or at your leisure on the NFL on CBS YouTube channel. And if the spirit moves you, give us a thumbs up and leave a comment. That really helps spread the word. And you can get the audio version on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at NFL Draft CBS. Okay, let's get to it. Rick, it's your favorite time of the week, mock draft time. How you yeah. doing, Rick? <laughs> doing good. Excited. Actually, uh, this mock draft is going to be very good. There's a lot of different scenarios that came up. Uh, I've got explanations. I hope you guys have explanations on why I picked <laughs> who I picked. Uh, you know, and these mock drafts are fun, but these mock drafts are going to change because we still have the combine to go through. We still have free agency. There's going to be a lot of these teams that fill their needs in free agency. Uh, but as now, we're uh, <clears throat> working on that it's just filling the needs based off of this upcoming draft class. Yeah, and Josh, you're back again for another mock draft show. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, what is your trepidation uh, of being in the draft room with, with Rick? And I think I've told you this story before. I talked to some of Rick's colleagues uh, from the Vikings at the at the Senior Bowl, and, and they said Rick on the podcast is Rick in real life. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's a zero. Um, I'm not nervous at all because I've got conviction about what I'm bringing to the table. I, I feel confident in what I'm saying, so there's no reason to be nervous. That's what you want to see. I respect that. I respect both of you for holding to your convictions, whether they're right or wrong. <laughs> at least you're going to hold your to your convictions. Don't change uh, Josh on us in the middle just because something goes away. Just go ahead and stay with what you believe, who you got strong feelings for, and we'll go from there. 
All right. Well, let's start at the top. This this will this will be a true test uh, of your uh, willingness to to keep your composure, Rick, because we have a trade at the top. Josh has the first pick, and it turns out he has the the fourth pick as well, which made the trade. The Bears are going down to number four. The Colts are coming up to number one. And let me tell you the compensation, Rick, and I want to get your thoughts on that, and then Josh can tell us uh, which quarterback he went with. So the Colts move up, they get number one, and the Bears, who have a ton of needs, they get the number four pick in 2024 as well as pick 36 and pick 80 and then and pick 20 and 23 excuse me so in, just to recap in 2023 they get number four number 36 and number 80 and then in 2024 they also get a first and a second that is a huge ransom to pay if you're the bears i'm guessing you're excited rick if, if you're the colts and let's say you're the colts gm are you willing to give that up for a quarterback you love yeah especially if you need one and they definitely need one and they have to get a franchise quarterback and the only way they're going to be able to do that since they've been through the veteran market so many times uh on you know the philip rivers is a patchwork guy that did actually play pretty well for him but went through carson wentz you went through matt ryan you have to solidify that position and they're actually in position in this draft to be able to move up to go get who they covet all right, who'd you take, Josh, number one overall? If it's Anthony Richardson, reveal your mask, Chris Paso. <laughs> no, it is not Anthony Richardson. I have the Colts taking Alabama quarterback Bryce Young, a player who we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast, a tremendous leader, very gritty, a player that can make plays off-platform, everything that you look for in the quarterback position except for the ideal size, uh, which is going to be a concern for some teams, I would imagine. But I always – Think about trades this way. Um, if it works out, you don't care about what you had to give up to move up and get that player because the quarterback is the biggest piece on your roster. Uh, nobody can remember what the Chiefs had to give up for Patrick Mahomes or uh, or what the Texans had to give up to get Deshaun Watson at the time to trade up. So you don't really concern yourself with what you have to get up in that position, especially when you're a team like the Colts that have kind of gone through veteran purgatory over the past couple of years. Uh, now you've got a player that you feel confident can lead your franchise into the future um, with new head coach Shane Steichen. Yeah, I love it, Rick. I'm guessing since you're a huge Bryce Young fan, you'd be willing to give that up if you felt like he was your guy? Oh, yeah. No, and the other thing to add, Indianapolis Colts, and I understand the, 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 the size concern with Bryce Young, but they play indoors. They play in the AFC South. He's not going to have very many cold weather games. If you're concerned about that with the size, I'm sure his hands are big enough. I don't know if we'll go through a Kenny Pickett situation like we did last year or what we went through way back when we uh, drafted Teddy Bridgewater on hand size. But I think Pickett proved that hand size doesn't matter because he got better as the season went along. So I think this is an excellent pick, and I would be very excited if I was Chris Ballard and the Indianapolis Colts. So, Rick, let me ask you this quickly. Uh, what do you want to say, Josh? I was gonna, I was going to add one thing because Steichen worked with Jalen Hurts this past year. I'm not comparing the two. Uh, Bryce Young is obviously not as thick as Jalen Hurts, but you're talking about a coach that was able to uplift Jalen Hurts and maximize his potential. And I think that's kind of the ideal situation here for for Bryce Young as well. No, I agree with that 100. percent And um, Josh, you mentioned that you don't remember the the trade ups when you get to Sean Watson football player or Patrick Mahomes. But uh, Rick, we've talked about this briefly before, but I'll ask you. You do remember if it's Mitch Trubisky. I was going to ask you, was that in the last 10 years? And you can tell me if there's another name that comes to mind. Was that the most surprising? Because I've talked to teams that were surprised that the Bears actually did that. Were you surprised or you sort of knew it was coming 
Uh, and where did you guys, was Mr. Trubisky at the top of your QB list that year? Well, we, we evaluated and we, we uh, you know, stacked our board just like everybody else does. The biggest thing about Mr. Trubisky, he does have a lot of the physical tools that you were looking for. He only did it for one year. I think he was right. a one year, I don't want to call him a one year wonder, but he had one productive year uh, down at uh, UNC. So when he came out, so. I didn't never judge other teams because you never know. What are you going to say after the draft? Well, they gave up too much. What if he did turn into a Patrick <laughs> Mahomes or somebody like that? And he said that was a great trade. So until you find out, especially with the amount of picks and the amount of draft capital that you need to move up to get these quarterbacks, we didn't have to go through this scenario last year. But this year, I thought, uh, Josh, you did a phenomenal job moving up and go and get in the guy that you really thought was going to be the cornerstone of your franchise. I hope right. you're right. One last quick question. Um, were you higher on Mr. Bisky or Ryan Tannehill, who's also a sort of a one-year guy, former wide receiver, when he came out of Texas A&M? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I have to go back and look. I know we all had him developed in that area. Uh, I don't know if we would have traded for any of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tannehill – came out of Texas A&M, you know, and then he's actually after the Miami situation, uh, he did get Tennessee Titans into the uh, playoffs. Now, granted, they have a, they had a really good defense and, you know, the monster in the backfield helps uh, alleviate putting all the pressure on Tannehill. So that helps as well. But he did have some productive years in Tennessee. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. Number two, I have, the pick. I'm the general manager. I'm Nick Cesario uh, with the Houston Texans, and I wanted Bryce Young. He's not there. I need a quarterback. I know my phone wasn't working. I thought Rick was going to make a move, and and Rick Rick's phone wasn't working either. So I'm just going to go. I'm staying put. I didn't want to give up anything. We got a lot of holes to fill. We still have the 12th pick, so I didn't, I didn't want to go down the road where I was giving up draft capital anyway. I'm taking C.J. Stroud, and he's my second quarterback. There been I've talked to teams that, that say he's going to be in the in the quarter in the mix for the first overall first quarterback taken at least in, in part because of the the size concerns about Bryce Young um so Josh you have any issues with CJ Stroud going here no not at all I mean it's kind of a small sample size with what we saw in the college football playoffs um I would be curious to hear how each individual team kind of evaluates him because what we did see is a player capable of making plays off platform uh you know showing that tremendous leadership against the very talented Georgia defense but it was a very small sample size. Like, does he not want to be that player moving forward? Uh, is he going to take that coaching? Like, what are those interviews like over the next couple of weeks? Uh, I'm very curious to hear how teams kind of look at that situation because typically we do not evaluate a player off one game. And Stroud is kind of the, um, you know, the, the uh, is going to be the poster child for that possibility moving forward. The only thing I'll disagree on is that I went back and I know they lost the Michigan game, but some of the things he did in Michigan uh, against Michigan, I watched that this week again when I was looking at some of the Michigan defenders, um, is that he did start to show a little bit more creativity in the Michigan game. Uh, so you saw a glimpse of that, and then he took it to the next level uh, against you know an NFL defense and what Georgia has. Uh, so I was kind of encouraged and the more I go back and look at him, I could see him potentially, uh, closing the gap on some of the things he did, especially towards the end of the season. Rick, would you say coming out, I know it's hard to do hindsight given that we've seen two years already of Justin Fields, but coming out, it feels like CJ Stroud's a more complete quarterback than Justin Fields at Ohio state, right? He is a better thrower from the pocket. He is a more accurate thrower. 
I think he can make all the throws, uh, you know, from the pocket. But the thing that was encouraging, I would say he may have a better chance than Justin Fields. Now, Justin Fields is getting better, too. And we've right. talked about this on some podcasts that who knows if Justin Fields going into his third year, he doesn't turn into a Jalen Hurst. Uh, and they start doing some of the things that they did with him towards the back half of the season. He's not a pocket passer, but Jalen Hurst isn't a pocket passer either, in my opinion. Uh, but Philly did a great job adjusting their offense to that RPO system. I think that C.J. Stroud has the ability to both do RPOs, uh, but also can fit in the conventional style uh, offense. All right, Rick, you're on the clock. You're the Cardinals at number three. You don't need a, a quarterback, according to the way that we've we've heard the Jonathan Gannon in the front office talk about it. But I'll, I'll, let me put this on the on the table before you tell me who you take. There, there are three guys here. Our buddy Pete Prisco has uh, texted me today. He thinks Tyree Wilson's better than Will Anderson. So you have Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, and Tyree Wilson here. Where are you going? <laughs> Is Pete a part of this? I didn't know he was going. You should put him on this damn podcast. He's then. everywhere. He's, he yeah. can't get away from him. He's like the I will enjoy uh, having some debates with him as we go through this process. <laughs> Learn the um, game, Rick. <laughs> but I went uh, with Jalen Carter. And the reason I went with him was, again, the scarcity at the position. I mean, he deserves to be in the top five. He's that dominant of a football player. Uh, but as we talked about earlier, it's hard to find a dominant three technique. And when this guy turns it on, there's no one that can block him. Some of the movement skills that he shows at his size, not only versus the run, uh, but as an inline pass rusher, if someone can click all the buttons or push all these buttons on this kid to get him to go hard down in and down out, uh, they're going to have a pro bowler on their hands, in my opinion. Yep, Jalen Carter, defensive tackle from Georgia. If you're listening, if you're watching on YouTube, Debo is running the draft tracker live. It's almost like we're there. All right, you're back on the clock, Josh. You traded down from one to four with yourself, and that's something you don't you don't see often in, in NFL draft scenarios. Who are you taking at four? I mean, you, are you going to draft a quarterback and replace Justin Fields, perhaps? <laughs> No, at this time, I am not taking a quarterback to replace Justin Fields. If I were, I would have stayed stayed put at number one overall. So in this situation, it's kind of an ideal outcome because I was able to move back to number four, recoup some draft capital that I parted with for uh, Chase Claypool. And then I'm taking Will Anderson, the edge rusher from Alabama, because Chicago had the fewest sack production last season. So you add a player like Anderson – who maybe didn't have quite the season he did a year ago, but has certainly been the most productive edge rusher out of any in this class. Uh, you're talking about adding a dynamic piece to that defense and a player that you can build around if you're Chicago. So, Rick, let me ask you about the trade details again that, that Josh pulled off to, to get the Bears down to four. And you're thinking the two-year plan, you have needs virtually everywhere, offensive line, wide receiver, defensive line, linebacker. Is there uh, in free agency side because we don't know what's going to happen, but you have now uh, the fourth pick. Now you have the 36 pick and the 80th pick, and then you have a first and second next year. Is there a sort of a blueprint you're laying out right now to work towards, or is this sort of uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, when we do free agency in the draft? Well, I, I would just say this and Josh, that was, you still got your player. You probably wanted anyway, but you were able to pick up draft capital along the way. And you have enough draft capital in next year's draft that, Let's say Justin Fields doesn't turn out 
to how we all anticipate Justin Fields will be next year. But let's say uh, he's not that same player. You have enough draft capital in uh, 2024 draft to potentially go up and get your franchise quarterback then. Yeah, no, I think yeah. that's exactly right. Go ahead, Josh. No, that was actually part of the part of the thought process because everybody talks about resetting the rookie contract. Um, you know, moving forward with a player like Bryce Young, you get him in his the first year of his rookie contract. Justin Fields still has a few more years. You don't have to rush to make this decision now because you did get some of that draft capital back to where you're now positioned to make a move in the future. If Justin Fields is not the quarterback that you think he could become, then you're probably going to be in a position to take a quarterback early in next year's draft class. And if you're a little outside of that range, you now have the draft capital to possibly make that happen. And the one yeah. thing I'll add to that, just I thought Howie Roseman did the same blueprint where he covered all his bases in case Jalen Hurts didn't turn into Jalen Hurts, that he had enough draft capital going into this year's draft to potentially go up and get a quarterback if they needed it. So what I'm hearing, Rick, don't be surprised if the Eagles draft a quarterback in the second round and either trade him in a year or move on from Jalen Hurts. Okay. <laughs> Too much for you? <laughs> well, can we just get through this draft, this first round? <laughs> Josh, Rick is holding on for dear life. He wants to yell at me so desperately. He's, he's trying I to be not. I respect the hard work that both of you put into this. It feels like you prepared that line. I know. He's, he's reading I've been it. He's got a, it for three days. He's got a cue card. He's reading off the cue cards. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a layup pick. Uh, I, I'm, I'm at five. I'm, I'm re-signing Geno, or I'm going to franchise Geno Smith and not worry about that as the Seahawks. I'm John Schneider and Pete Carroll right now. And this feels easy to me. Rick, we've talked about it before. We, we met Tyree Wilson at the Senior Bowl. He wasn't working out because uh, he's recovering from a foot injury. But he's a fantastic uh, young man and a great football player, edge rusher out of Texas Tech. Um, and I, that's who I'm taking as the Seahawks. But I'll ask you, can you envision a situation, Rick, where Tyree might, in fact, go ahead of Will Anderson? Uh, I Potentially, I just think Will Anderson's too special, in, yeah. in my opinion. And uh, because you can do multiple things with him. I think Tyree can do a lot of things with him, but more like uh, off the edge, but slide him inside to get some inside nickel rush stuff where I think Will Anderson's better when he's lined up from a two-point or lined up in a wide nine technique, let him get up the field. Uh, so I think Will Anderson can do a little more from a schematic standpoint on how you move him around and use him. I wouldn't be surprised if Will Anderson, if they stacked him sometimes, and had him rush uh, from a linebacker position uh, through the A-gaps. There's a lot of creative ways you can do it where Tyree, who I also love as a football player, and I think he has tremendous upside, but he can give you some edge, but I think he can give you also some uh, inside pass rush as well. No, I agree. I love him. I, I love him as a whole player. And he's one of those guys, when you watch him, it's pretty easy to see. You don't have to watch a bunch of games to figure out that he's going to be that he was dominant and he has a chance to be really good at the next level. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll start motoring through the rest of these picks and the mock draft show. This is Tony Kornheiser show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we got five picks down, and if you're watching on the old YouTube, give us a thumbs up. Uh, as Rick will tell you, he's trying to rub together two nickels and uh, be able to make it through this this life here. He's struggling, let's be honest. It, sort of a starting to go funny. A thumbs up will be the next best thing you could do. As I always say, Rick, we are praying for you. And with that, you're on the clock. As the Detroit Lions, they're picking six overall. They have two first-round picks, and they get coming off a fantastic end of their season. Yeah, I think they have to go. They definitely have to go defense here. I think they're going to stay with Jeff Golf. He had a great year last year, and I think they have enough weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I went with Miles Murphy from Clemson because I think he has tremendous upside. He will give them another edge rusher. I mean, Hutchinson last year, I think he had nine and a half sacks. Uh, they got surprise production out of James Houston, their six-round pick out of Jackson State who transferred from Florida, he ended up with eight sacks uh, once they got him on the field. But you cannot, you can never have enough pass rushers. And I think with Murphy opposite of Hutchinson, that would be a very deadly combination as they continue to grow as pass rushers. I also think they are going to be pretty active in uh, free agency to help that defense as well. I don't know where they're going to go with it. Uh, but I would give them the edge rusher right now because I think after Miles Murphy, there's going to be some good edge rushers later, but there's a little bit of a fall off. Why I didn't go with a corner here is because I think when you swing back around, and we'll talk about earlier, there's about five, six, maybe seven corners that are going to be in that upper tier that you're going to be able to fill that need later in the first round here. Not yeah, that I'm getting a... Uh, a uh, teaser on where I'm going to go when they pick uh, on their next pick. Yep. They have the 18th pick as well. And um, I'm sure many of you know, but if you don't, Rick's brother, Chris works in the front office in Detroit. And I just want to ask you, Rick, every time you call Jared Goff, Jeff Goff, does he have to correct you? Oh my God. Do I keep saying that? <laughs> it's Jared Goff. I keep calling him. I don't know. Who's Jeff Goff anyway? I don't know who Jeff Goff is. That's his brother. Oh, yeah. No, my brother will probably text me and said, learn the damn names before you go on the air. Uh, but it is Jared Golf. I, I continue to screw that up for some reason. I love and it. I will work my rear end off to get better at calling him Jared Goff. <laughs> like, it's okay to call him Jeff Goff when he was leaving the Rams. He's actually proven himself to be one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. So, well, you have to start calling him Jared again. All right. Speaking of quarterbacks, Rick, this is going to be interesting here because the Raiders don't have. Derek Carr, and listen, Josh, the GM, you you said recently that you might even just roll with a a, a replacement level guy, a, a bridge quarterback. Um, tell me, what what are you actually going to do at number seven? Yeah, I mean, there are certain things you have to say until uh, that player is in the building because if the plan does not work out, uh, then you're obviously upsetting some players in that current locker room. So. With the number seven overall selection, I had the Raiders taking Will Levis, the quarterback out of Kentucky. And rather than going on my typical spiel about Levis, um, I'm going to ask the two of you a question because I want to go back a few picks to the Seahawks. 
they did not take a quarterback in this situation. If you were in that respective general manager chair, you've got Geno Smith probably coming back. But the only reason they're in this this position is because they got the pick from Denver. So you don't know if you're going to be in a position to take a franchise quarterback again. How high is the ceiling with Geno Smith? And are you at least considering a quarterback with that number five pick? Rick, you're, what are you doing here? Oh, I, no, I'm not. I'm going to go with Geno Smith right now and take my chances, um, you know, because last year I thought Seattle had probably, if not the best, the best draft class with all the production they got from the two tackles, from the running back, from the corner. Uh, John Schneider did a phenomenal job and knocked the draft out of the park last year. So I think they'll continue to build that roster. Um, and I wouldn't have taken a quarterback there because no one expected them to get where they got this year. And I think Pete Carroll did a phenomenal job uh, getting them and they surprised everybody. So if you can layer another draft class on top of that draft class, let Gino go and, and do his deal. Hopefully he can, you know, he can uh, replicate what he was able to do this year. Uh, it's going to give you a chance sooner rather than later. Not that I'm saying that Pete Carroll is going to retire next year, but when you got a coach that's getting up there in age, he probably wants to win now. And I think by not taking a quarterback, signing Geno Smith back, that that gives them a chance to win now. All right, I'm going to complicate the question a little bit, Rick. Let's assume it's a 2020 draft. Joe Burrow, Tua, Justin Herbert go one, five, and six. You're still at five as the Seahawks, and you have a Justin Herbert type sitting on the board because we we talked about these quarterbacks in the class and the flaws and, and the issues that some of them have. No one looks like Justin Herbert in this class in terms of height, weight, and productivity. So now if Justin Herbert's sitting there, a uh, uh, type player at number five, are you reconsidering or are you still sticking to your guns? Well, no. Then if you got <laughs> Justin Herbert, that's <laughs> Boy, that's what I love about the media. You come up with all these different scenarios. and It's a lot easier on this side. This and what if that. It makes great uh, conversation here on YouTube and everything else that we're on. But that would be a different conversation. <laughs> I think the two quarterbacks, Young and Stroud, are probably, as of right now, today, a step ahead or two steps ahead of the next two quarterbacks that are going to go in this draft class. Those all guys... Right. I don't believe are as for sure of thing as and there's nothing that's for sure in this draft. You're, you're, you know, doing all your research, but it's still a subjective decision. Although you try to get as many of the objective things as you can in place, you still got to make a subjective decision. Uh, but I'd rather take my chances on a Stroud and a young rather than, uh, than, than take a, a Levis at five. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I agree with that. All right. Thank you. The, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I, I just feel like so uh, my self-esteem continues <laughs> to go up on this podcast. No, Debo's messaging me and said to make sure I say nice things to you because you've you've had a you were, you had a rough couple of days. So I'm willing to to be that that person for you that that uh that therapy dog, if you will, Rick. That'll okay. be my be my role. Yes, I do. I respect your guys' work and everything <laughs> that you put into this, and I respect your opinion just like oh, everybody else's. All right. On that note, let's go to pick number eight. So I'm the Falcons, and they have needs at edge rusher, but as you mentioned, Rick, the the, the top edge rushers are off the board, and, and I feel uncomfortable taking an edge rusher. Uh, edge rush would be the edge rush 
four, I think, at this point. Uh, also needs a quarterback, kind of, but again, yeah, not too, not yet. Yeah, right. So, I mean, if you know Bryce Young is here, that's one thing, but he's not. So, I'll move on from that. And I'm just going to keep it simple. I, I'm going to take Joey Porter Jr., uh, the cornerback out of Penn State. He's big. He's strong. He's physical. He's probably going to run really well next week at the combine. You pair him opposite AJ Terrell, and and that solves another issue on the back end where there are plenty of issues on that defense. Is he worth two or three or four wins a game? No, he's not a quarterback. But that's where we're at, and that, and that's the, the the that's the direction I'm going. What do you think, Josh? Well, I mean, you kind of have to play the board as it falls to you. Ideally, you would like to have one of those edge rushers, but you know you're victim to what has already happened in front of you. So. While there is a lot of buzz, uh, you know, around Lucas Van Ness, the powerful edge rusher from Iowa, I personally do not have him in this range either. So Porter is a good fit opposite A.J. Terrell. You talk about a couple of players that can lock down, you know, their respective half of the field. And then you take a little bit of the pressure off of that defensive front, allow Grady Jarrett to kind of get after the quarterback himself. Maybe Arnold Ebiketti is able to take that next step. I thought he, he flashed this season. Um, for the Falcons, but I have no problem at all with with Joey Porter here as you kind of build out and and identify some of those foundational pieces on defense. Yeah, Lucas Van Ness, uh, interesting story. I will we'll keep an eye on him and see if he shows up in the first round of this mock draft. He's been a popular media selection in recent weeks. All right, Rick, you're back on the clock. David Tepper's the owner. He's tired of trading for or getting these quarterbacks in free agency. What are you doing at number nine for the Panthers? I'm going to say you're going to have to reach a little bit here and you're going to have to go with Anthony Richardson because after that, there's nothing. And (laughs) if you want to resolve that issue and you see the Cam Newton-like comparisons to him, although I think he's a better thrower, natural thrower, I just don't know if he's as accurate as he needs to be and I don't know about his decision-making. I think the biggest question will be as he goes through this process, and we don't know it yet, does he know enough about the game? Is he just an athlete playing quarterback, or can he actually develop into a quarterback? And I think it's just the Panthers are at a spot right now, and I know they have Frank Reich as their new head coach down there. That um, They're adding uh, pieces to that staff. So they'll spend a lot of time on this kid, and I think they will pull the trigger if they feel comfortable with him. If he drops out of here, if we're watching this on draft night and he goes past the Panthers, then not only him, but there are a lot of teams that some red flag may have triggered through this process. All right, let me let me play you you play the GM role, Rick. You're good at that. I'll be David Tepper. And when I when you say to me, I'm thinking about taking this guy at nine. And I say to you, well, I'm looking at his stat sheet here. He completed 53% of his passes. And I watched games where he couldn't hit the receiver, miss him by five or six yards. Why am I? And how, and also finally, how long do I have to wait till I see him play? What are you, what are your answers to that? Uh, I would ask you, am I going to get a contract extension? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take a while. He's not going to come in and be uh, an instant uh, sensation. I, I don't believe. So maybe you keep a Sam Darnold there. And then uh, let him learn from behind Sam Darnold and then see what what goes for there. But I don't think he's going to step in and be ready to go on day one. And those are the questions that you've talked about that you have to sort of explain to the ownership when when they're wondering why they're spending all this money on a player that they can't be the face of the franchise tomorrow. Right. Yeah. No. And I'm glad you're the owner on this call. So we could be <laughs> and Josh. We can both ask for raises. In a contract <laughs> 
All right. I've been instructed by producer Debo. We got to pick this thing up. We're 30, 30 minutes in and we're nine picks in. So let's try to keep these to 30 seconds or so. Josh, you're up with the Eagles, Debo's team. I think if I recall correctly, they lost the Super Bowl. Uh, so who are they taking to to improve their roster, Josh? Man, Debo tells you to to speed it up and you take a shot at him immediately. Catch that was, that That's was right. tough to watch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Devin Witherspoon is a very physical cornerback. We've talked about uh, or I've listened to you talk about his lack of mass on the boundary, but you're talking about a very physical player. He's feisty. He's, you know, going to give it as much as he takes it on the, uh, you know, in, in the back end of that secondary. So as Philadelphia tries to fill some of these needs that are probably going to emerge from free agency, uh, James Bradbury is one of those free agents. You're talking about a player that has that versatility to play man or zone coverage and is a great fit for not only that defense, but, uh, you know, the culture in Philadelphia as well. No, I agree. And and Rick is old school as they come, and typically he's not crazy about smaller players. Devin's probably going to measure six feet, but 180. Rick, you still like this guy? Oh, yeah. Love the guy. Love. I think he's one heck of a football player, although I don't know how big his upside is. And the biggest thing on him, I want to see what he runs. Yeah. And that's the That's the one caveat that, you know, I may have considered Gonzalez here, uh, but uh, let's just see what this kid runs. But I'm not going to deny he's one heck of a football player. I'm on the clock at pick 11 with the Titans. I do wonder if an Anthony Richardson's here. I don't know if you go Malik Wilson, Willis, Anthony Richardson back to back if you're the Titans in terms of the quarterback situation. Instead, um, they just parted ways with Tyler Lewan. Taylor Lewan. I'm going to Peter Skaronsky, uh, the left tackle out of Northwestern. Uh, the arm issue is going to be the big thing. We'll see how that turns out. Rick, if his arms are 31, under 32 inches, do you have to move him inside or are you still going to take a chance? I think, you know, that's what you're going to discuss internally with your offensive line coach and your your coaches on, hey, you know, we watched tape on him. He played at the Big Ten. He was probably the best left tackle in the Big Ten, even though he may have short arms. Do we still keep him out there to see if he can function? Uh, if not, you know, you can always kick him down inside, but I would keep him at left tackle and see, uh, see if that solves that because that left tackle is a big issue to solve if you, if you don't have one. Uh, so I, I would try to keep him at left tackle. All right. The Texans took CJ Stroud at number two. I was the GM Rick. I've been fired. You are now hired as a Texans GM for pick 12. What are you going to do for CJ Stroud? That's easy. You need to get playmakers around him. And I'm going with, uh, Quentin Johnston from uh, TCU, big vertical receiver. Uh, and with Stroud's arm, it gives him another weapon to throw. I don't know if Cooks is going to come back. I know they had issues with him. So they just got to – they've got needs everywhere. Uh, but if you have an opportunity to get an explosive downfield receiver like him, I made comparisons to T. Higgins. I think you need to go ahead and take a shot on this kid. I love it. 13, the Jets. They feel like they've drafted offensive tackles in the first round the last 20 years, Josh, uh, and, and Zach Wilson, unfortunately. He maybe is better as an offensive tackle. Who are you taking at 13 for the Jets? So I have them taking Ohio State left tackle Paris Johnson Jr., a player who has guard versatility as well, but moved to the boundary for the Buckeyes this past season. Um, you know, I personally don't have him as the top-ranked tackle. I still like Peter Skaronsky, even with the below-average arm length, but – you're talking about a player and a team that, you know, a team that really needs to upgrade both offensive tackle positions. You've got Max Mitchell who flashed last year, but he struggled to stay healthy going into the year. We talked about Makai Becton and his situation. 
Obviously, his injury this past season did not help his case to be that long-term left tackle moving forward. So rather than possibly having to replace both offensive tackles in one offseason, you get a player now, hopefully he develops into something along an offensive line that's really got a lot invested in it over the past couple of years. Can can I just make a point? It's alleged short arms. We don't know the official arm rolling yet, so... So Rick, let me let me ask you this: As a general manager, what is your involvement with someone like Makai Becton, who struggled with injuries and there may be concerns about keeping his weight in check? Are you talking to him? Are you talking to his agent? How are you checking in on where his progress is in terms of informing what you're going to do free agency in the draft? Well, you're monitoring all that. You're monitoring that through the season. You're talking to your medical. You know exactly where he's at in his rehab. But I believe since he's been in the league, he's only been able to line up 20 games, if I'm not mistaken. So you have to make sure, and I think this is an excellent selection, although I think he will uh, be a good tackle. I don't think he'll be a Pro Bowl left tackle, uh, but he can fill a definite need. You knocked it out of the park last year and you, on an offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. You need to solidify that offensive line. If you get uh, Brees Hall back, imagine him in the backfield along with everybody else they got. And if they can go out and get a veteran quarterback, I think the Jets are going to be uh, someone to definitely watch in that AFC East. They're going to close the gap on on the uh, Buffalo Bills of the world. No, I think that's right. They're they're literally one player away, and that one player plays the most important position, unfortunately, for them. But we'll see what old Derek Carr can do. All right, I'm on the clock at pick 14 as the Patriots. Um I suppose offensive tackle might be in the conversation here, but Paris Johnson Jr. just went. I don't know if I want to. I don't quite necessarily want to call it a reach. I like Broderick Jones, but he he has some some. He's still growing into the role. He's a good athlete, but he's certainly not a finished product. So I'm going with Jordan Addison, the wide receiver out of USC. Uh, put up huge numbers last year. Put up even better numbers the year before when he was at Pitt with Kenny Pickett. Uh, he can line up anywhere. He has returnability. He beats at all three levels. He plays much bigger than. He's probably 5'11", 175. We'll find out next week for sure. And um, Mac Jones needs some weapons to go along with the new offensive coordinator. Uh, Rick, I'll ask you, did you give any thought to taking Jordan Addison at 12 instead of Quentin Johnson for the Texans? No. No, I'm going to go with a big, fast guy. And I love, love, love Jordan Addison. I love his game. Again, he's Devontae Smith to me. But when you got a Quentin Johnson that has that size, that speed, and that big receiver with small receiver movement skills, and tremendous upside, you have to go with a Quentin Johnson. All right. We're at um, almost a halfway point. There are 31 picks in this in this first round. If you're wondering why, that's because the Dolphins were penalized the first round pick for tampering. So that's why there's 31 and not 32. Rick, you were on the clock for the Packers. Pick 15. Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, because depending on what happens to Bakhtiari, uh, I almost looked at Broderick Jones here. But then I looked at their secondary. I know they have some pretty good corners in Alexander and Stokes. Uh, Douglas plays the uh, nickel. They need safety help. Uh, Adrian Amos is out of contract. They don't have a lot of depth there. Uh, Savage, to me, is just the guy. So if you can get a player and there's no safety, I think this is a very average safety class for this draft. I think this kid has a flexibility to fit in that scheme to play free safety. Uh, but also, if you do get stuck in a pinch, I think he is athletic enough and big enough to go inside and play some Nick for you as well. Yeah, Brian Branch, safety out of Alabama, played a lot of slot. He can play deep, and to your point, you can line up anywhere. And I've talked to you about this before as well, Rick. If Nick Saban trusts you to play every healthy snap at one of the most critical positions, you're probably pretty good at your job. 
he's he's pretty good at his job. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll knock out the second half of this first-round mock draft. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. All right, Josh. Pick 16, the Commanders. You're running the show there. What are you doing for old Washington? Well, I was a little surprised this player was still available, mm. but I'm going with Oregon cornerback Christian Gonzalez, a player who, you know, had a pretty high profile at Colorado. I think he still would have been a high draft pick, but obviously elevating that national profile, going to Eugene and having tremendous ball production this year, a step up from what we had seen from his time in Boulder. So I'm happy as the Commanders to take Christian Gonzalez here at number 16. Yeah, Rick, this feels like as close to a layup pick you're going to get in the middle of the first round as there might be. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's an easy pick for me. They need corner help, and this guy, I think, could have been, and we talked about he could have went earlier in this draft, but to get a guy of Gonzalez's caliber uh, the uh, play that you've seen on tape this year at Oregon, this is a great pick for the uh, commanders. Next up, the Steelers at 17. I am the general manager there. I am Omar Khan. We both share a uh, fondness for no hair. So that's good for us. I'm going with, I was going to take Christian Gonzalez until Josh snaked him from me the pick before. And I thought about maybe going cornerback with another cornerback uh, on, on this list that we'll probably talk about in a minute here. I thought about Osiris Torrance, the guard out of Florida, but there's not the position flexibility there uh, in terms of starting them outside because they do have needs more so outside than inside along that offensive line. So I went with Broderick Jones. We've talked about him earlier on the, on the podcast here. Uh, the left tackle out of Georgia, Good athlete, needs to get better in terms of his footwork, and I think that's something that can certainly happen. The good news for the Steelers is that their front five played every single snap together last year. There were no injuries, fortunately, so they got better as the year progressed. So there's no need to rush him out there, but I think he gives that offense uh, some much-needed stability and depth along the offensive line to help Kenny Pickett as he goes into year two. So, Rick, you're back on the clock, 18 for the Lions. You took Miles Murphy on defense uh, with the fifth pick for Detroit. There's no way you're going back-to-back defensive picks, are you? Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> That's where the Lions need to get most help. So this kid, I just got uh, just was able to watch him this week. And I really like this kid. <laughs> um, Deontay Banks from Maryland. Um, you know, we watched Bennett down at the uh, Senior Bowl and he's a good player. But Banks, his size, his athletic movement skills, his speed. He showed some uh, ball awareness and ball skills. Uh, he needs technically to get cleaned up a little bit, but I've seen, when he is in press coverage and jams a receiver, that receiver does not move. So I think this guy has a huge upside. He has all the physical traits you're looking for at the corner. I think the holes in his game right now are correctable with coaching. One of the biggest things is he's a little sticky out of his transition where he takes some false steps and his pad level is a little high but that can get corrected with coaching with technique. And I think uh, this guy is going to start, you're going to start hearing his name buzz the closer we get to the draft. No, I agree. Deontay Banks, cornerback out of Maryland, especially if he runs well next week. If he runs a four, five, five, he's still a first round pick though, right? Yeah. I may not go as high, but I think this guy plays a lot faster than that. I agree. hundred percent. All right. 
We're down to pick 19. The Buccaneers desperately need a quarterback. They didn't make any moves up, Josh. So uh, what are you doing here at 19 if you're Tampa Bay with a million needs? Well, that's exactly right. I think you have to have a little bit of self-awareness in this position. If you do not get a veteran quarterback, that probably says you're going into a rebuild. And as you look at this long list of free agents that they have, you've got Sean Murphy Bunting, you've got Jamel Dean. This is an opportunity for you to reset at the cornerback position. So we take South Carolina cornerback Cam Smith, a player who I really came around to this year. I thought you saw improved instincts, better man coverage skills, um, I'm pretty high on him at this point. I think he's kind of a volatile player when you look at draft media right now. But as a as the decision maker for the Buccaneers in this situation, I'm happy with Cam Smith. Yeah, no, he's he's a really good player. And I, every time I talk about Cam Smith, I now have to bring up his his um, cornerback mate at South Carolina, Darius Rush. He had such a good senior bowl that it sort of changed a lot of people's opinions. And, and Rick, I'll just say, ask you quickly. It's rare that your opinions get changed as an NFL evaluator, but you were impressed with what Darius Rush did as well this senior bowl, right? Yeah, I, I was watching Cam Smith, so I really didn't notice him that much. I, I watched a couple snaps. I have to go back and do the tape on him, but I thought Rush was a little bit more rigid in his movement. And then you go down and see him live at the senior bowl. That's why it's so great to see these players move and, and, and watch him uh, live because a lot of the things you can't or justify – on tape, you can justify when you see them in person. And Rush, to me, uh, really helped himself down at the Senior Bowl and surprised me on his speed and surprised me on his movement skills for a big corner. Absolutely. It, it was the one-on-ones typically favor the wide receivers. Darius Rush didn't get that memo because he he had a really good week uh, during practice. All right, we're down to pick 20. The Seattle Seahawks are back on the clock. Uh, they also picked fifth. They took Tyree Wilson there. That was a layup. This sort of feels like a layup. You could go defense here again, sort of like Rick did when he picked for the Lions, and, and Keely Ringo was was in the conversation. But instead, I went to went to went to uh, decided to uh, bolster the interior of the offensive line and went with Osiris Torrance, the guard out of Florida. You crush it last year with the draft, like Rick talked about. Uh, you, you got Charles Cross, your left tackle. You got Abe Lucas, your right tackle. Both played a ton of snaps and both did pretty well. Now you bolster the interior offensive line. You're going to bring back Geno Smith. Um, Osiris Torrance was great in the fall. He was great late in the season. He was great at the senior bowl. I suspect he'll be great next year, uh, as well. Another guy that uh, a lot of people love Rick, uh, is on your radar at pick 21 for the chargers. Yeah, this one was, uh, I kind of went back and forth on this one. If one of those corners would have fallen, I may have considered the corner since Callahan is up. You don't know how uh, J.C. Jackson is coming off that injury. He didn't have a great year. They paid him a lot of money, so he's going to be there. So I could see corner potentially here, but then you got Pipkins up, and they have always had a hole at the right tackle position. So the reason I went with Wright, I thought he had a very good senior bowl. From his junior to senior year, he may have made the biggest jump out of any of the offensive linemen that I have evaluated. You have to protect your quarterback, and I think this kid has an opportunity to come in as a rookie and be a day-one starter for him at right tackle. So think about this, to your point. You, you get Justin Herbert, then you get Rashawn Slater, then you get Zion Johnson, and then you get Darnell Wright. I, I mean, that solves a lot of problems uh, for you, whether you're the head coach that was on the hot seat or whether you're the offensive coordinator 
whomever it is. I, I mean, this feels like like a layup because a lot of times what happens in these mock drafts, Rick, that you know, you're not as a media person, you'll draft a left tackle here and say, oh, you can just move to the right side. But as you know, that that's a lot easier to scribble on a sheet of paper than to make happen reality. I, I like the option at left tackle left that you would have taken beside before a right. There's none. No, there isn't. You're right. And um, let me ask you this quickly. Any thought of Dewan Jones here, the right tackle? Who I went for back time? and forth on it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, but uh, I saved one for later in the show. <laughs> Look at that. Rick with the tease. All right. 22, Rick. Uh, hold on to your seat because you're, you're about to, your your wig's about to, to, to blow a blow a gasket if that's such a thing. Pick 22. Josh, you are the Ravens. You have a lot of needs. I don't know if this is at the top of the list. What are you going to do here? Yeah, so I think we're on a uh, tight schedule here. I don't think there's any time for a rebuttal. So um, I'll say I have Baltimore taking Texas running back Bijan Robinson. I understand they have bigger needs. I would have loved to have had a player like Quentin Johnston here, but uh, you know Rick took him off the board much sooner. I know a player that is that size and that that has that speed is not going to be available at this point. So I look at Baltimore and what they traditionally have tried to become on offense. They're a run-heavy team, and this past year, not even this past year, these past couple of years, they've struggled to stay healthy at their running back position. So I add a player that I feel very comfortable with, not only as a runner, but also a pass catcher, takes a little bit of that pressure off of Lamar Jackson. And as I'm looking at this returning roster, Kenyon Drake had the most snaps at the running back position out of any running back on their roster. So I understand that they have bigger needs, but I also think that running back is a need for this team and takes a lot of pressure off Jackson moving forward. All right, Rick, let me set this up for you and you can offer a rebuttal if you so. Oh, I got Debo hit my mute button, but I will just say this so we can keep moving that if you, the value of this player is tremendous value, getting a player of this caliber, this late in the draft, it's the position. But if you're staring at your draft board and this guy is sticking way up there on the top, and there's no one else left, I I, I would agree that you have to take a, uh, a Robinson here. I'll and that's what that. I was going to say. Like, who, who else is left that you might feel comfortable taking? Because a lot of the, as Josh mentioned, a lot of the guys there's are no off the board. In my opinion, left in this draft that is more talented than B.J. Robinson, uh, than B. John, B. John Robinson. So you have to take that player. And cornerback right. is a need too, but we've already seen a run at that position. So I think with a with a team like Baltimore that has traditionally just taken the best the best value as it has fallen to them, Bijan makes a lot of sense for them. No, I agree. I, I I I'm I'm interested to see where he falls. Rick and I have a one dollar bet. I Rick took the easy one that Bijan goes in the first round. I just I want to know where he goes because that's going to be the the interesting thing. All right, pick twenty three. I'm the Minnesota Vikings GM. Rick, you're the you're my assistant GM this time. How about that? Imagine a world. Imagine a world where I'm the boss. Whatever you say, sir, I agree with you 100. <laughs> uh, and so, Patrick Peterson's out of contract. Uh, Chris Boyd, who was more of a special teamer and, and you know played in, in sub pack situations, uh, he's out of contract. They do have some young players um, that they drafted last year. And, and Andrew Booth, uh, he battled injuries at times, so you don't know what you have in him necessarily. And all this is to say, I'm going to Cam Dantzler. I, I like coming out of school, and he's played well when he's been healthy. Um, but all this to say is that I'm picking a cornerback, and this could have been a potential target for you, Josh, with the Ravens at 22. But I'm taking Keely Ringo, Ringo, excuse me, quarterback, cornerback out of Georgia. And coming into the season, 
the expectations were much higher than, than what he lived up to. He's not a bad football player, but I think the expectations were such that uh, there was some disappointment in his play in terms of consistency. He's big. He's strong. We'll see how fast he is. Um, he does a lot of things well that you want these cornerbacks to do, but he also struggled at times in coverage, and um, that's what we have to figure out. But I think with the Vikings, he fills a need there, and, and the upside is certainly such that, that it gets your attention late in round one. Rick, Jaguars at 24, you are Trent Balky. Yeah, no, this one was interesting, and that's why I saved one in my pocket because you have uh, uh, Juwan uh, Taylor up and you have Evan Ingram up. And, okay, I think it's going to be more realistic to get Ingram under contract than it would be Taylor, to be in my opinion. So I went with uh, Dewan Jones, the right offensive tackle from Ohio State that would fill a huge void on the right side of that offensive line. And, again, if you're building your roster, they've got some playmakers. They could always add another two playmaker on offense. they got a really good running back in ETN. You have to protect that quarterback because he's your franchise quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. So I'm going to go with Dewan Jones here. Yeah, this, this feels like a, a, a pretty – Solid pick because you're again you're helping your young quarterback stay upright and that's the that's the that's the whole point right all right twenty five New York Giants Joe Shane is Josh Edwards what are you doing for Daniel Jones and or the defense well when you look at what the Bills have traditionally trended towards and obviously now with the Giants having a little bit of ties from that organization they're a organization that values traits. So a player like Jalen Hyatt is somebody that can extend the field with his speed. You're allowing underneath opportunities for Wandale Robinson, your second round pick last year, as well as Daniel Bellinger, the tight end who I thought played really well when he was available last year. So adding a player like Hyatt, who I know is still raw as a route runner, but certainly a player that, ha <clears throat> that has a you know very specific skill set is going to be able to you know, force defenses to be honest and allow those other players to be productive underneath. So that's kind of the hope right here is that Hyatt eventually, you know, develops into this player that is a star in this league. But for now, he's a player that opens up other opportunities for players on the roster. So, Rick, uh, Mike Tomlin described um, Mike Wallace as a one-trick pony when they drafted him, sort of just joking and to, to get him going. But he, he ran go routes all day and he was really, really good at it. Can you justify a first-round pick for someone like Jalen Hyde, a track star, just stretching defenses to allow other players like CeeDee Lamb to get open? Yeah, what, what you're trying to do and what the discussions are in the draft room are, is he just a one-year wonder, or does this guy have potential to continue to grow as a receiver? So you have to have a pretty strong conviction. Uh, con what's the word I'm looking for? Conviction. conviction. That this guy has tremendous upside and will continue to grow in, but – Right off the bat, he's going to give you a vertical threat down the, the down the field, and that's going to open up. I agree with Josh. Excellent point, Josh, on uh, being able to open up some of the stuff underneath when you have to worry about this guy's speed and stretching the field. By the way, I said CeeDee Lamb and the Cowboys. That's because I've been mocking Jalen Hyatt to the Cowboys, and I wanted to take him with the very next pick. Obviously, he went to the Giants because Josh wants to get – that's twice now that you've, you've taken my pick with the pick before. I'm making a mental note of that. Debo, let's not have Josh on the podcast anymore. All right, pick 26, the Cowboys. So I can't take the wide receiver. Jalen Hyatt's gone. I could take Jackson Smith and Jigba, but he's not doing the, the role that I need him to do to allow CeeDee Lamb and, and Michael Gallup to return to do the things I want them to do. Uh, and Dalton Schultz, 
at tight end. So instead, I'm going on the other side of the ball. I'm going with Drew Sanders, 6'5", 232. He weighed during the season is what he was listed at. We'll see what he weighs when he gets to the combine. I suspect Ricky's going to run uh, a crazy time. Former Alabama guy who played outside of Alabama, went to Arkansas, played some off ball. They lined him up everywhere, and he's a dynamic player, and, and I think he certainly uh, helps that defense, especially if Leighton Van Der Esch is um, on his way elsewhere. I think he's a better player than Leighton, Leighton Van Der Esch athletically. We'll see how he turns out as an NFL player. Uh, say, um, Rick, you like Sanders too, right? Yeah, I love him. I think he's a, a multi-position player that not only can play the run, he has excellent range, uh, he can cover, but I don't think he's get his due on how you can create mismatches with him as a pass rusher. Not just saying he's going to come off the edge as a defensive end type, but if you blitz him through the A-gap, he's going to be a mismatch for these running backs trying to pick him up. Similar to some of the things we did with Anthony Barr, we try to create scenarios where the running back has to pick him up depending on the pressure packages. I think this guy can have a big impact as a pass rusher too and a blitzer. And he fits the type of athlete that Dan Quinn likes on that defense. No, that's a, that's a good point. He, he actually looks like the cornerbacks at Dan Quinn's draft, 6'5 and 220 or whatever. Um, 27, the Bills are on the clock. That would be you, Rick. And the Bills don't have a lot of needs, so what are you doing? Well, they have some needs. You know, they have uh, Edmonds up. They have Jordan Poyer up. But I didn't see a linebacker. Now, if Drew Sanders would have fell, that would have been a different situation if I knew that I wasn't going to be able to uh, sign him back. But I went with uh, Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. Uh, I think they need another playmaker on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and I think this guy gives Josh Allen another weapon because besides Stefan Diggs, uh, Gabriel had a kind of a down year uh, based off of what he's shown in that previous playoff game where he had, I believe, four, four TD catches yep. in the Kansas City game. So I think uh, this is the next best playmaker for me that fills a need for the Buffalo Bills. Do do you as a general manager fall into the same trap as media folks do and that you are preoccupied with a million other things as general manager? So you didn't get to see Smith and Jigba this season because he was injured. So he's not on your radar. But when you start having the draft meetings, you're reminded of just how good he is when you look at the 2021 tape. Or is this something that you keep in the back of your mind? I get I understand that he was hurt. I have to account for that. And I, I shouldn't dock him for not playing this year. Well, that's, those are the things, the answers that you want to get uh, before the draft, and that will be part of this pre-draft process, and it will be interesting to see how significant that hamstring actually was, and it, apparently it's very significant, or I think this kid is competitive enough that he would have been out there uh, trying to help Ohio State, especially uh, when they played against Georgia at the end of the season, so I think this kid, if he runs well, um, that this would be an excellent pick for the Bills. All right, pick 28, Josh. Another team with, I mean, they don't have a ton of needs, and probably because they, they're such a good football team like the Bills. The Cincinnati Bengals, who are you taking? Well, this is a team that, you know, we've already talked about the possibility that they can move either T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd this offseason. So if you remove a weapon from that offense, ideally you would like to infuse a weapon into that offense as well. So you look at Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame, who, you know, is a, is a pretty good blocker, but he's a player that can move the chains. He's got good physicality down the field. Uh, he's physical through contact, you know, all the stuff that you look for from a consistent producer at the tight end position. And he grew up 10 minutes away from the stadium. So you talk about a great homecoming story, a player that, 
could become a vital outlet for Joe Burrow as he develops in his career. Yeah, so that's the first tight end off the board, and I'll give you guys a little sneak peek. Um, that's the last tight end to go in the first round, so that that's interesting. We've seen two or three go in, in other mock drafts that we've done and that, that you might see on the old internets, uh, so that's something to keep in mind. Guys like Luke Musgrave, Don Kincaid, Darnell Washington, those guys could be all in the mix. They didn't cut, uh, make the cut this time around. All right, pick 29, the Saints. They finally got that first-round pick back by virtue of Sean Payton going to Denver. That was the Broncos' first-round pick by virtue uh, by way of San Francisco, I believe. I have the Saints taking edge rusher, Keon White, out of Georgia Tech. Old Dominion transfer. He weighed in at 280, the Senior Bowl, and he played mostly four, five, seven technique. So they rarely used him inside and plays with heavy hands. He wins consistently with power. He can collapse the pocket, had a really good senior bowl, had a really good season for Georgia Tech, and, and I think he hel- helps that Saints team. Rick, what are you doing with someone who's 6'3", 280 a- as a, a five-tech? Uh, and White taller than 6'3", or no? Uh, senior bowl, oh, you're right, sorry, 6'4 six, six, and a half, my bad, 6'4 and a half, 280. Okay, well, then that answers that question. Learn your, <laughs> you, you need, as you study this stuff, learn these guys' heights and weights so you can project a little bit better. Uh, still, how many 6'4 and a half, 285 techs do you see? <laughs> a lot, because <laughs> that's more than big enough. You don't have to be 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, that's almost 6'5". I mean, what's an inch? No, uh, I meant the 280 part. Like, you play, you see guys at 260, 265. Right, but if he's going to get reduced down inside some, that uh, this guy is an explosive athlete for his size, and he is quick-twitched, and he showed that down at the Senior Bowl, especially in some of those one-on-one pass rush drills. Yeah, no, I'm with you. All right, pick 30. Rick, you're on the clock. The Eagles, the Eagles took Devon Witherspoon at 10. They're on the clock again. What are you doing for old Philly? Well, this is a Debo pick. <laughs> you know, because I know he loves the Philadelphia Eagles, and I've got a lot of holes. I've got Bradbury up. I got and uh, Gardner Johnson up that I got to try to uh, resign. I've got four defensive tackles out: Cox, uh, Hargrave. I got my two rentals that are going to be gone, uh, probably Sue and Linville Joseph. So you got Miles Sanders. You got Bart Scott or uh, uh, <clears throat> Boston Scott up. So you got two running backs out there. I think Jameer Gibbs from Alabama fits the ideal type running back for this RPO system, gives him another explosive playmaker, gives him another playmaker around uh, Jalen Hurts. And if you add him to the mix with the the playmakers they have on offense, to me, this was a no-brainer. Debo, you all right with this? Yes. Thumbs up, Rick. I appreciate and respect the job that you do. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are reading off the same script, Rick. (laughs) Debo wrote that for me for this podcast. I mean, it's hard not like hard not to like Jameer Gibbs. I mean, let's be real. I I think he might be. You guys don't like this pick, Josh. I mean, you've been knocking it out of the park this draft. What's wrong? No, I like it. Where are you at, Josh? I love it. I mean, we've talked about the idea of Philadelphia possibly adding a third wide receiver. You don't necessarily do that here, but you still add a very quality pass catcher to that team. I mean, you don't necessarily have to have a slot wide receiver um, to open up that part of the field. you got a guy like Jameer Gibbs who has been sensational. Even before he transferred to Alabama, he was a very good football player. So I love the fit here. I think Philadelphia is a team that is most equipped to use him because of how um, you know, flexible that they have proven to be with with their talent. So I think it's a great fit. 
A lot of love on this podcast. Love it's to weird. see it. It's weird. A lot of respect. <laughs> a lot of respect. All right. I respect so, you guys for all the hard work you put into this. <laughs> Did I get it in enough, Debo, this one? Uh, yeah, two more. All <laughs> right. The final photo. pick, the first round of our 2023 NFL mock draft versus 3.0 with trades goes to Josh, Brett Veach slash Andy Reid for the Chiefs. What are you doing, Josh? I am taking Nolan Smith, the edge rusher from Georgia, a player who we didn't get to see all season because of his injury, um, but a player that is really dynamic off the edge. He's a little bit on the thinner side, but a player that I think is a great complement to the other pass rushing options that they have on the roster. You added George Karloftis in the first round a year ago, a player who is, you know, built more through power than maybe, you know, the dynamic ability that you would hope to get at the edge rusher position. But Smith is a player that I think can step in and add a little bit of that juice off the edge. Uh, Frank Clark is probably not coming back. So you, you need some more talent rushing the passer um, in that defense. And I think Nolan Smith checks that box. Rick is Nolan Smith, a designated pass rusher because he doesn't play a lot of coverage and he's undersized. What's your role for him when, when he comes in as your one? I can see, and uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and see a little Hassan Reddick in his game as well. So, um, I think this guy has a chance to be a dynamic edge rusher um, that can hold up probably against the run, depending on how you play him. But how Philly used Reddick, I can see potentially if <clears throat> Kansas City doing the same thing uh, with him. So don't make him an off-ball linebacker, then, is what you're saying? No. Like they, These like guys, they- if they are blue trait pass rushers, why would you waste the time dropping in coverage? Draft them to do what they do best. And this kid best is going forward and rushing the passer you should have talked to the cardinals five years ago and you could have saved them a lot of heartache and came to hassan reddick all right that is it just over an hour not too bad we made up a lot of time there on the back half of the first round that's the 2023 nfl mock draft version 3.0 there will be many more versions coming next week we will be in indianapolis for the combine we'll be doing at least two podcasts there we'll have a live show every day on cbs sports hq so look for that In the meantime, thank you, Josh. Thank you, Debo, for producing. Thank you, Rick. And we will talk to you guys next week.